and good morning. So I thought I would take a few moments before we begin and give you a bit of an uh, update on my health. Uh, I did post most recently, uh, late this week, on Caring Bridge. I know Caring Bridge isn't people's, everyone's thing, so I thought I'd take a few moments to, to share. So just to back up a little bit, uh, a couple weeks ago, on my regularly scheduled scan, uh, they found that the cancer had reappeared again and they found that it reappeared on my left frontal lobe. They found it early, they found it small. The left frontal lobe is where personality comes from the brain, which I thought could come to my benefit. Yeah. If I start acting like Doc Brown on Back to the Future, you could just say, oh, it's just the radiation. That's all it is. So anyways, uh, yeah, I joke because it's good news that they caught it early, they caught it small, and they are gonna, they've treated it with radiation. So uh, I got my blast and uh, met with the radiation oncologist afterwards, and he was very pleased and very positive and very pumped, and that gives us hope as well. Uh, the side effects of that is that uh, fatigue increases, which has already started, and we'll see, uh, within a couple months if how far I can bounce back from that. Uh, the other main uh, side effect of radiation is uh, headaches. Uh, they said that the first time, six months ago, and I didn't get any. So uh, very hopeful that as we continue to pray that the side effects would really be uh, minimal. So, uh, so that's the first thing that they found. Uh, Two weeks ago, they also found something suspicious on my liver. And they did a CT scan, which is a little more fuzzy, and so they wanted to do another scan, an MRI, to uh, get a very clear picture. And so the MRI was done uh, early this week, and we met with the oncologist late this week, and the scan was clear. There was nothing on the liver. So, yeah, we bless God whether there was a, a shadow or something or whether there was something and God took it away. We don't exactly know. But what we do know is that uh, the liver is clear. And uh, the schedule is to get my regularly scheduled scans in uh, three months or four months, and that's how the rest of my life will be. Getting scans of my brain. The hole is still there and uh, taking scans of the, the rest of my body too. So I thank you for your prayers and for your uh, love for us. Uh, so our prayers are that uh, God would keep the cancer away. So what has happened is that there, I had esophageal cancer in my brain. There was a free radical from four years ago. And usually it shows itself within three years, but this time it took four. And the place where this free radical showed up was on the left frontal lobe. So our prayer is that God would keep the cancer away and that side effects would be minimal and that I'd be able to uh, bounce back from the fatigue and the coming fatigue uh, that's going to be coming and that I had last time. So uh, that's my update. Yeah, we bless God for that. Yeah, uh, I don't know where we are. Dan, 
Here we go, prayer pads. There are prayer pads in the front rows, if uh, the people there could take them and uh, use them to put down prayer requests, put, them, put down praises, and then those pads go from the front to the back. And if there's something during the week that uh, you want to add to the uh, daily prayer emails to go out, you can send an email to the administrator's emails on back of the worship bulletin, and we'll make sure it gets in uh, most likely within the next day. So that's how we, we operate with that. This is a new month, the month of February, and so we have a new... Come uh, yeah. on, Dan. There we go. Got it. Got it. So we have a new memory verse uh, for the month of February, and it's uh, Psalm 132, three verses, seven through nine. Now, the month of February is also the month that we're going to start our discipleship emphasis, which is going to be the latter part of the months, and it's going to be the same, a bit of the same format that we had before, where we're going to be watching Bible Project videos, and then we're going to have time to discuss it, and then going to come back and I'm going to kind of give a summary. This is what, if you were paying attention, you should have picked up these things. So uh, we're going to be doing that. And uh, the videos are going to be a series of six on the priesthood. And I think that works well with the book of Hebrews because Hebrews is a lot about priesthood. It's about uh, the priesthood, the priesthood of Jesus, and we get into that in chapter 5, and then it goes into the high priesthood of Jesus uh, in chapter 7, and carries on a bit farther. And then we get to the end of the chapter, or the end of the book, and it starts to talk about the priesthood of all believers. And so I, I think that the series on Hebrews, and then the discipleship emphasis that we have on priesthood, I think they are going to dovetail together quite well. The first two memory verses in January and February have to do with creation. You might think, what does that have to do with the priesthood? I'm going to talk about that a little bit more next uh, Sunday, because it's kind of been a busy week for me. I didn't have time to put a lot of stuff together. Uh, but, but that's where the Bible Project video starts, and where we're going to be looking at at the, the end of February. The first uh, video on priesthood has to do with creation in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden even being a picture of the tabernacle and the temple that was later to be used. And so it talks about creation being uh, the place where God's presence is and where God's presence dwells. I picked these verses because it kind of talks about that a bit, but it also kind of takes us to where we're going, at least a little hint, where it says, may your priests be clothed with your righteousness. Now who, by the time we get to the New Testament, who are his priests? We are. We are in the Old Testament, it was from the tribe of Levi, but now in the New Testament, it is all of us. So it's giving us a little taste of what is to come. And then may your faithful people sing for joy. So just three verses, six lines, I can do it, I have part of my brain gone, you can do it too, okay? We're going to do this, and so what we do, we practice this every Sunday, 
So we're going to, uh, just a few moments, I'm going to invite you to stand in body or spirit. We're going to say this together, and then we're going to go through Hebrews chapter 3. Not the entire chapter, verses 1 through 6, and then 12 through 14. And then when we get to Hebrews 3, you can follow on your phone, on your tablet, in your book, or you can just follow as Dan takes us through those screens of Hebrews 3. So we're going to be doing those things. All right, everyone on track? Okay, so I invite you to stand in body and spirit as we say from Psalm 132, from the book that we love together. Let us go to his dwelling place, let us worship at his footstool, saying, Arise, Lord, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests be clothed with your righteousness. May your faithful people sing for joy. And now these words from Hebrews 3. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, Fix your eyes on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house is greater than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was a faithful servant all in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving, or hard heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. God's very word. Thanks be God, and you may be seated. Has there ever been a time in following Jesus when he asks you to step out of something into nothing? To step out of what is predictable, comfortable, into something that doesn't make human sense. And the thing is, he doesn't answer all the questions that we have in the front end. He just says... Follow me, follow me. Renee and I have found that in following Jesus, and I put it this way, in following Jesus there are no risks, but a lot of suspense. No risks because ultimately where we are going in this journey is into more of him. That's not a risk. 
The suspenseful part is we don't always know when we go from something into nothing where exactly he's going to take us. Do you kind of follow that? In Christ, he calls us to persevere in the journey, in the walk. And when he calls us from something into nothing or into wilderness land, into a place where it seems like life doesn't make much sense, the important part of the journey is keeping eyes fixed on Jesus. And that's what Hebrews chapter 3 is about. Persevering in the time of wilderness, the time of nothing, the time of suspense. Persevering by keeping eyes on Jesus. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the context of the author writing the book of Hebrews. When we get to chapter 3, and we'll get there in just a moment, the author wants the readers to pull up something from their memory about Israel wandering in the wilderness. Wilderness is a time that reminds us to just keep our eyes on God and trust no matter what. By the time the author wrote Hebrews, Nero was emperor. And Nero and his cohort had finally realized that this sect that was following this man named Jesus was different than Judaism. And Judaism had some freedoms in which they could worship and serve. But this group called Christians, they realized it's different. Mainly, from Nero's perspective, they claimed that Nero wasn't king. They claimed Jesus was king. And so because of that, the time that the author wrote this, a more intense persecution had broken out. And what often happens when persecution breaks out? People could tend to pull back withdraw, go back to what's more comfortable, predictable, or safe. It's what some of the uh, Hebrew Christians did. They decided that what they were going to do is they were going to still follow Jesus in their heart, but because the Jewish faith wasn't persecuted, they decided to step right back into the Jewish faith whether that was temple or synagogue, of offering worship, uh, offering sacrifices, doing the practices of the Old Testament Judaism. Uh, they said that they would have Jesus in their heart, but they were going to go back to their old way of practicing because they were safe. They'd be safe there. Can you see how that got under the skin of the writer of Hebrews? Because what do we know about Jesus in the Old Testament sacrificial system? That system was done with because Jesus' sacrifice was all that was needed. So, how does the writer of Hebrews address this problem? People failing 
to hold firm, to persevere, but falling back into what was safe and comfortable and predictable. Well, the first thing that he did was go to the Bible. That's always a great place to go, isn't it? He went back to the first Bible, or the first Testament, which is the Old Testament. And he calls the people in Hebrews 3 to remember the time of wandering in the wilderness. It was a time right after God had led the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea into the wilderness and brought them within a period of two years to the edge of the promised land. God was with them. God was providing for them. God was doing tremendous miracles in the wilderness for those two years. And God said, I have a place prepared for you. They get to the edge of the promised land. They send in the spies, right? Some of you know the story. They send in spies to the promised land, 12 spies, and the spies come back, and two of them, Caleb and Joshua, say, this is a great land. God's going, God has prepared a great land for us. The other 10 said, the land has giants. There's no way that we could survive in this land. The land has giants. And so because of their lack of faith, because they didn't persevere, they, they, they pulled back and they remained in the wilderness for a total of 40 years. And that's one of the pictures that the writer of Hebrews gives when we decide not to persevere and to go where it's safe and comfortable. We end up staying in this thing called wilderness. So the first thing that the writer does is he points back to the Bible, to, to that story, and says, don't be like them. Well, how else does the writer of Hebrews uh, address this problem of the Hebrew Christians who decided to go back to where it's safe? Well, the second thing that he does is point to Jesus, which is also a very good thing to do. Uh, how do you follow well when following well is hard? It means to persevere. You might remember that at the end of chapter 2, we talked at uh, a couple weeks ago. The end of chapter 2, the writer says, to not let the things of Jesus drift away. And those words drift away literally means to leak out like taking a bottle of water and poking a hole in the bottom and the water is all leaking out. It says, if you decide to drift away, to not engage, not follow him, your life is like an empty bottle. There's no refreshment. There's nothing to give to anyone else. We can choose to follow him even in the tough times or we can choose the more risk-free life. If so, we end up, end of chapter 2, like an empty bottle. Well, the author uh, gives us a, another picture. I, I don't have the slide for that one. But uh, that picture is found in chapter 3, verse 12. It says that you will have an unbelieving heart. If you, if you go to 12, it'll say unbelieving heart. There are more, I think a more, I believe, I don't think, I believe a more accurate translation is a hard heart. And there's a lot of Old Testament imagery, right, about the hard heart. 
by pulling back and going to where it's safe and not persevering and not keeping your eyes on Jesus leads to a hard heart. And that's another picture that the author gives to us. And so for us today, you may be in a place, though we are very rarely persecuted, it can be a place where it's hard to follow. Sometimes life is just too comfortable to make the changes God is calling us to make to follow him completely with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sometimes it's just difficult to leave what is safe and familiar to the place that is the unknown, the place where he's calling us to do. But that's where the full life is. It's out there where he's leading. And when we decide not to go, we're in the wilderness. It may be that you don't want to be known as a Jesus follower. Maybe you want to be like those Hebrew Christians. They wanted to pull back into Judaism so they would be known as Jews. They say they follow Jesus in their heart, but they want to be known as Jews, not be known as a follower of Jesus. Maybe that's where people are at. Don't want to follow his ways because people will find out that I'm a follower of Jesus. And who knows what will happen then? To not follow the high road, but to go the easy way out. Rather, the author says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Which means, pretty obviously, just focus intently on Jesus. Seek him with all of our hearts. The Apostle says in Colossians 3 to seek the things that are above and don't put your affections on the things of this world because if Christ is our vision, we don't need anything else. We don't want anything else. The life worth living, and it's a life that has suspense, is the life of moving forward with Christ. And so because of that, the author gives us all these snapshots of who Jesus is. He is this and so much more. So far in chapters 1 and 2, there have been 18 snapshots. Here are seven more. Are you ready? Chapter 3. First snapshot. Jesus is the apostle of our faith. That word apostle literally means sent one. He is the sent one of our faith. He was sent by the Father on a mission to redeem the world. He is the sent one. An author that I enjoy is uh, David McCullough. He writes uh, really great history books. His last book before he died was a book called Pioneers. He writes about a small group of people in the 1700s in Massachusetts, ordinary people just like us, who got a vision to travel to the Ohio River Valley, and there was only wilderness there. They made the choice to leave their comfortable life, to go into utter and extreme wilderness, And they paid the price and they suffered greatly traveling over the mountains in wintertime. But because of that, 
they led the movement that 40 years later would bring Ohio into statehood because they were pioneers. They were sent ones. I just, I just think that's a great picture of who Jesus is, that he is the sent one because without him, we who are without God and without life, we would be lost and hopeless. But because he was the sent one and fulfilled his mission, there is a new life for those of us who come to him. And then why wouldn't we allow him to send us to represent his great mission? The first thing it says in Hebrews 3 is that he is the apostle of our faith. He is the sent one. Second thing that it says, oh, I missed that slide. We're just going to move on. Okay. Secondly, that he is the high priest of our faith, and it says that uh, in verse 1. He came from God what needed to be done, and one of the pictures of what needed to be done is that he came to be a priest. And his priesthood is not just about what he did while he was on earth, but as we're going to explore in the coming weeks, his priesthood also includes what he continues to do for us at the right hand of the Father. He is our great high priest. So because we're going to spend a few Sundays on it, we're just going to skip over that and go to the next one because we'll be coming back to it. He is God's authorized agent. He has been the faithful one who did what the Father called him to do. Faithful is used twice in these short verses. And we know when a word is used more than once, that is a word of emphasis. Faithful is one of the emphasis words that talks about Jesus. He was faithful to do what the Father called him to do. At the transfiguration, before he went to Jerusalem for his last time, the glory of God broke out with him on top of that mountain. And the three disciples that were with him were stunned. And then God spoke out of the cloud, saying that Jesus was his son. We don't have to look any further. Anywhere beyond Jesus. He was faithful. He accomplished what the Father called him to do. In 1 Peter, it says that he was chosen before creation of the world, but was revealed in these times. What that saying was, before this thing called time began, the decision was made that Jesus would be the one to fulfill the Father's plan. He was God's chosen one, authorized to do the job. And now for the fun one, the fourth snapshot. He is someone who is greater than Moses. Who was the person that God used to help establish the Hebrew faith or what's called as Judaism? Who was the person that God used, that God spoke to, to help establish the Jewish faith at the very beginning? It was Moses. To the Jew, Moses was the goat. There was no one higher, greater than Moses. Moses was their greatest of all time. The writer of Hebrews says, 
He's not the goat. Jesus is the goat, the greatest of all time. So I thought I just took some time in my study and I just thought, what are some of the things that Moses did that Jesus was greater at? I thought if we had time, we could go around and do this, but we don't have all morning. We have communion to get to. And uh, so I just, I just came up with a list. I don't know. I think there are six or eight of them. So just follow along. How is Jesus greater than Moses? Moses was rescued as a baby from a river. Jesus was conceived in a virgin's womb. Moses, when he grew up, decided to forsake the treasures of Egypt. Jesus left the glories of heaven, Philippians 2, and came to be one among us. Moses stood up against the greatest political leader of his day, Pharaoh. Jesus stood up against the leaders of darkness for 40 days of testing. Moses brought down 10 plagues. Jesus brought down abundant healing. Moses asked the people to put the blood of the lamb on their doorpost for protection. Jesus said, I'll give you my blood. And he gave his blood to keep us from death. You get the picture? We're going to keep going. Moses followed, or Moses led the people of Israel into and out of the Red Sea. Jesus went into the tomb and came out. Moses ascended on top of Mount Sinai to get the law. Jesus ascended to heaven, sat down at the right hand of the Father, and poured out his Holy Spirit who would write God's law on our heart. Moses, it says in Numbers, was the most humble man on the face of the earth. Jesus was the most humble man ever. He who was rich became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. He is greater than Moses at every single step. He's the builder of the house. When you look at a house, you're looking to buy a house, you often ask, who is the builder? Because some builders are known for cutting corners, and some are known for their quality. The honor goes to the builder. The honor of the house goes to the builder. And so we read in Ephesians 2, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan. The builder has a plan. The plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. The builder has a plan and he works it out. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Jesus is the builder of the house. Jesus is also the master of the house. It says Moses was just a servant in the house, but Jesus owns the house. 
Remember the par- parable of the prodigal son there at the end, and the father turns to the older son, and he says, everything I have is yours. The master of the house has given to us everything, and it says he has given to us each other. He wants us to be involved in each other's lives. This is his house. Discovery Church is his house. Believe it or not, he's not looking for a group of people that are better looking than us. He's not looking for a group of people that's smarter than us. He's not looking for a group of people who are more gifted than us. He's happy with us. This is his house. And he says he's given to the people of the house everything. Everything, it says in Hebrews, is one another. He has given to us one another. That's the sixth thing. The seventh thing is this. Jesus is the land of promise. Now, it doesn't literally say that in chapter 3. But of all the imagery of the wilderness and the promised land in chapter 3, the commentators are pretty clear that Jesus is the fulfillment of all that the promised land represented. He is our promised land. All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. As we move into Jesus, we find more of the promises of what he has. He, he, he is that fulfillment of all that he promised. I just pulled out a few verses from uh, Ephesians, a couple from chapter 1 and one from chapter 2. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, accordance to the riches of God's grace. I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance of the holy people. Chapter 2. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's that as if the writer of Hebrews is saying to those Hebrew Christians, why would you abandon Jesus to go to a place where it's just a little safer when, all, when he is everything? And so he says it to us. He is the land flowing with milk and honey. All are thirsty come to him out of him flow the streams of living water so this is where we've been coming into hebrews chapter three who is jesus well 
He is God's final word. He is the son of the father. He is the image of God's glory. He is the source of everything. He is the sustainer of everything. He is the heir of everything. He is the purifier of everything. He is supreme over everything. He is the fulfillment of everything. He is the flesh of our flesh. He is the man of sorrows. He is the sympathizer in chief. He is the devourer of death. He is the disabler of the devil. He is the liberator of all fears. He is a sanctifier of the saints. He is the elder brother. He is the architect of salvation. He is the apostle of our faith. He is the high priest of our faith. He is God's authorized agent. He is God's greater Moses. He is the builder of the house. He is the master of the house. He is the land of promise. And we're only up to chapter 3. There is more of him coming. And so to close. Verses 7 and 13. So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. 13 but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So one Bible study practice is just to take a chapter, take out the verse connotations, and just find the common words, words that are used over. So I've highlighted them here, the word today. We don't have yesterday anymore. And we don't have tomorrow yet. All we have is today. And this is who Jesus is for us today. Today, he is inviting us to step into these snapshots of him and experience him as all of these things and so much more. To persevere when things get tough to persevere when things don't go according to our plan, to not shy away and to leak out to go to where it's safe, but to hang true and to follow him. And he will show himself to be all these things and so much more. I invite you to join with me in prayer. Father God, how we bless you that in the council of the Godhead, before time began, uh, it was decided that Jesus would come, be the faithful one, the authorized agent, the sent one who would come to build your house, to reign and to rule over it. How we bless you Father God, Spirit, Son, for all that you have done to bring us into your presence and to be called part of your family. We pray that you would strengthen our faith when we feel weak. There are some of us here who are just finding it hard to persevere, maybe because of life situations, maybe because of the temptations of the world, maybe because of the 
the looks, the remarks of others that come towards us because we follow a path that is laid out by you. We pray, Spirit, that you give to us your faith and your courage to persevere. Help us to fix our eyes on the Son. Let him be our vision, that we might follow him and him alone. And Father, there are those in our faith community here who just need extra measures of your faith and of your strength and your courage. Uh, we join with Sue in praying for her family. We bless you that she is your lighthouse to them. And we pray especially on this day for Danielle as uh, she and her kids have made the move to Kentucky and be with her to care for her, especially as her husband Fred remains in Connecticut to finish out his role and responsibilities there. Give her strength and an extra measure of your grace and that today that she would get glimpses and pictures of you. We join with Jen and praying for her dad. We pray that you would bring uh, healing that he needs physically that you would give patience to him as he waits for more appointments we pray that you would remove discomforts that you would oh, care for him we join with dan owen praying for his family for uh, him as he looks for future considerations for his kids and we know what having little kids is like this time of year with sickness and illness and we pray your lord that you would bring healing and health that they need we join with uh joe and david and praying for their family and we pray lord that you provide uh, for them and that you will bless the people that live with them and that care for them we thank you that Gail is able to join us in church. We pray, Lord, that you will give to her added strength that she needs. We pray that you will protect her from falling. And that you would grant her uh, measures of your goodness and mercy and kindness. We join in, with the Garrants in praying for their mom. We pray for uh, Paul and Richard and their sisters, they care, from, they care for their mom, uh, not just because of the fall, but in just whatever next steps are needed to continue to care for her and to care for her well. Give them guidance and wisdom and give them patience too. We pray for Annalise Grote, for Elizabeth Barnaby, for Emily Garen's look and the babies that they carry. We pray for protection, for grace, for comfort for them in the waiting time and for ultimately a good delivery. We pray for our neighbors uh, around the place where you have set us and this week we pray for our neighbors on Sun Metal. We pray that you would give to them a, a special blessing this week and that somehow you will let them know that that blessing comes from you. We lift up our missionary partners. We lift up uh, uh, ASJ 
and the uh, turbulence that they find down in Honduras. We pray, Lord, for protection for them. We pray for the extra security that is needed and that you will provide the resources to pay for that. Lord, we pray that you will keep them safe. Give them diligence to persevere, though they are being persecuted. And today and this week, we also pray for Reach Beyond in their ministry out of Quito. We pray for uh, Jeff and Tammy Quaestra, for Jeff's work with uh, electronics and audio, uh, for the trips that he makes from Grand Rapids to Quito uh, several times a year. We pray for his safety, and we pray for the nationals there that uh, continue to be trained and that they would gain more and more autonomy with this ministry that uh, you have blessed in great ways. For these and other prayers of our hearts, we lift them up to you. We pray them silently, uh, the people who are dear to us and near to us. And as best as we now, we, we know, we offer ourselves to you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed and said, Amen.